If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 21. You know, Tuffy reminded me of something that uh, um, this whole situation with Patricia Nicely is, is, um, is a perfect example of what we're, what we'll be talking about today and, and next week when we talk about Jesus coming and dying on the cross. Uh, his death brought life to so many. Uh, Patricia Nicely, um, they're going to remove the life support today and she'll probably pass. But she's an organ donor. And she has a cousin, cousin who's in desperate need of a kidney and they'll be getting that kidney. So through death comes life. Isn't it wonderful how God works in our lives? And wonderful the things that he does. So just be praying for that family that uh, through the sacrifice and death of one, another one can live. All right, so the, this is Palm Sunday. And on this day, the Lord is making his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And this is a, a very important moment in Jesus' mission. Uh, it's important enough that all four Gospels record it. In Matthew 21, where we'll be at today, in Mark 11, which I read the children, uh, Luke 19 and John 12. Now Jesus is less than a week away from the cross. And one of the most important things to know about this scripture here is that Jesus Christ went into Jerusalem fully committed to die on the cross for our sins. Let's read Matthew 21, verses 1 through 9. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem... And were come to Bethage and to the Mount of Olives. Uh, Then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, uh, you shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken uh, by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon the ass, the colt of the, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put, them, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude spread garments in the way, and others cut down branches out from the trees and straw them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Father, for this time. And Father, we're not just celebrating a story. We're not just talking about something, uh, uh, just some story, just some fictional story. We're talking about an actual event that happened when Jesus walked this earth and he went into Jerusalem and announced to the world that he was the Messiah. And he'll go through this week and he'll hear the cries of Hosanna changed to crucify him and and he'll go to that cruel cross, and he'll suffer like no one has ever suffered. But on the third day, he'll rise again. From death comes life, and not just his life, but life for all who believe. And Father, we thank you for that. Because we know without him and his sacrifice, there is no eternal life for anyone. 
Now, Father, help us to understand what's going on here, to know that Jesus is coming, and he's coming for us. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. I'm looking forward to next Sunday. I hope you all are too. I hope you all can come up to Keith and Aaron's. They have a beautiful view of the sunrise. It's gorgeous. And th- during this week, I want you to do me a favor. If you're, if you're up early enough to look at the sunrise, look at that sunrise. And I want you to think to yourself, it takes an awful lot of faith to believe that there's no God. Right, it does. You think, you think it, it takes a lot of faith to believe in God. No, really don't. Really don't. If you think about it, if you look around and see nature and you see the sunrise and you see how everything kind of fits together and works together, it, it's kind of easy for us, to, maybe it's us because we know Jesus, but it's easy for us to see that there is a God. But for a lot of people, it's, it's hard for them to, to it's, it's, it takes more faith to believe there's not a God. Just prepare yourself next week, we'll be talking about that. But here we're going to talk about Jesus' coming. People are waiting. The crowd wants to see the prophet that raised Lazarus from the dead. Uh, the scribes and Pharisees are waiting to see if Jesus is going to come because they're looking for him, because they have plans for him. And he's coming. He, did, he, he didn't uh, ride into Jerusalem to receive the praise from all his fans. He rode into the city with his heart firmly fixed on the cross. In Luke 9.51 it says, And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. As Jesus traveled to Jerusalem, he was determined to die for us. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? He knew his enemies were making their plans. Um, Nothing that happened in Jerusalem will surprise him. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows what's going to take place. But he still sets his face to go to Jerusalem. Christians, have you set your face to go where God leads you today? Listen, he was determined to die for us. Are we determined to live for him? In John 11, uh, the Lord had already raised Lazarus from the dead uh, after four days. Not four minutes, not four hours, but four days he was dead. What a miracle this was. And this was the final straw for the chief priests and Pharisees who hated Jesus. These wicked men had wanted to kill Jesus for months, but after Lazarus was raised from the dead, they made Christ's death a matter of priority. In John chapter 11, starting verse 47, the Bible says, Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees a council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus along, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, named um, Caphius, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all, nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And, his, and this spake he not of himself, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for the nation. And not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Taken from that day forth, they took counsel together to put him to death. It's a sad little section right here. 
It's so sad. He's given them the gospel, but he's twisting it around to fit their own evil purpose. Jesus is coming to die. One man to die for everyone. One man who is sinless to die for everyone who has sin. One man to die so everyone could live. But he's wanting one man to die so that the Romans, so they could have uh, victory over the Romans. He didn't understand exactly what was going on. But when Jesus rode into uh, Jerusalem on the donkey, the crowd was laying the palm branches in front of his path. He knew that he was riding into the jaws of death. But Jesus came out of his love for his heavenly Father and for us. Never has anyone showed so much courage as Jesus when he entered into Jerusalem. He was an outlaw. The authorities were determined to kill him, but he showed up. He didn't hide in by night. He didn't wear a disguise. He didn't try to sneak in the best way he could. He didn't enter with caution. No. He came in such a way that every eye was on him. Everyone knew that Jesus was there. He came down that road over 2,000 years ago. Aren't you glad? Because if he hadn't come, we wouldn't be here today. He came for us, and he's still coming for us today. He's here today with us, with his Holy Spirit. Imagine if you could see Jesus entering this place. Imagine if you could see him coming through that door, and walking in and sitting next to you. Think about it. You can sit there right now and just whisper a prayer, and he's listening. And he's hearing you. Why? Because he's with us. He did this so he could have, he, he could have that relationship with us, that intimacy with us. That God could be intimate with his creation. Just as sure as he rode into Jerusalem, the king has come today for us. And as Christians, we should always feel his presence. The presence of the Lord in our lives. He is here with us now. Surely God is in this place. So what does the Lord's coming on Palm Sunday tell us about his coming to us now? Well, first, he comes with great humility. Look at verses 1 through 3 again. It says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and, and were come from, uh, to Bethage into the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying to them, Go and to the village over against you, and straightway you shall find a, uh, find an ass and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if any man say all unto you, you shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. Jesus came riding on a donkey. I don't think there's any humbler way to come. He humbled himself enough, not only to ride on a donkey, but to need help from his disciples. He told his disciples, go and get the donkey, and bring it back to me. And if the don- if owner says anything to you, just tell him, the Lord has need of it. God Almighty the maker of heaven and earth, the one who needs nothing, needed his disciples to go get him a donkey. In Jesus' humility, he chose uh, to need that donkey, to need those disciples to go get it. And through his amazing grace, Jesus has chosen to need us too. Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful and frightening at the same time. Luke 16.10 says, He that is faithful... In that which is least is faithful. Also in much, oh, I'm sorry, he that is faithful in 
that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Sometimes we think we are nothing before God. We think we, we have nothing to give him, uh, but we're so wrong. It's like the song, little is much when God is in it. This guy with the donkey is just one of the people who gave little things to the Lord to be used in big ways. And this is a picture of our life in service to Jesus Christ. We don't have to be big and famous and rich and powerful. We just have to be the least of everyone for God to use us in great and mighty ways. This is the picture of how he wants us to serve. I don't want you to walk out here remembering my name. I want you to walk out here remembering what God spoke to your heart. Little things given to the big God. But do you ever think I'm nothing for God to use? That's good. Because God can take our nothing and use it for great and wonderful things. And Jesus is coming because we are special to him. I think that's the most amazing thing to me. Why would the creator of the world come and die for, this, for sinners? Because we're special to him. Second, Jesus coming, he's coming as the prince of peace. Look at four and five. All this was done that the, might be fulfilled, which uh, was spoken to the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, the colt, the foal of an ass. This is who he is. And this is what he brings. He brings peace. When Isaiah prophesied about the birth of the Savior, the birth of the Messiah, he said this in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. For unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the governor shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Peace, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the promised Prince of Peace. And he shows this. Behold, your king is coming, lowly and sitting on a donkey. Prophecy fulfilled. Uh, Zechariah 9.9. 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon the fold, the colt of an ass. This was the picture of humility for all of Jerusalem to see. Jesus didn't want to come in on a stallion with, a, with army and soldiers leading the way, with, with gold and, 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 and precious stones. He come in as just a man, lowly, riding on a donkey. He was showing the people that he was the Messiah because he alone has salvation. Luke 19, uh, 37, 38 says, <clears throat> And when he was come nigh, even now, at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in the highest. He can give us heavenly peace with the Father. Forgiveness and a total pardon of sin. He didn't come to bring peace with the Romans. He didn't come to bring, bring peace with Caesar. He came to take each individual and say, listen, you can now live in peace with God. You know, you're not, no longer under the curse of sin. You're no longer destined for hell. You can be destined for heaven by believing on me because I come to take your sins upon the cross and to die for them so you can have eternal life. Paul said in uh, Colossians 1, 19 and 20, For it pleased the Father that in him all fullness dwelt, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. He gave Jesus all fullness to be able to go to that cross and die for the sins of the world so that he can bring everything into him. Everything can be reconciled into God who believe upon him. Jesus came to bring the peace, to be able to live in peace, to preach peace, to serve the Prince of Peace. Romans uh, 10, 15 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I read something online. I can't remember the, the, the pastor said it now, but I think I posted it on Facebook. But it says, uh, When God looked at Jesus on the cross, he saw you. And now when he looks at you, he's looking to see Jesus. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is our message to the world. Listen, it's so easy for us to sit back and judge people. It's, it's so easy for us to look at that sunrise and say, how can anybody look at that sunrise and not see Jesus Christ? How dense can you be that you can't look at that and know that there is a God, that there is a creator, that there is a, uh, a divine being that has created all this? How can you sit there and think to yourself that this world is suspended with no control whatsoever, that every morning that sun comes up, every time, morning, every evening that sun goes down? Why don't we just stop spinning? Why are we so close to the sun that we, that we, we stay warm enough not to burn up, and we're far enough away that we, we stay cool sometimes but don't freeze to death? God put us right where we needed to be. And we're, we're spinning around this massive universe. How can you not see that there is a God? But church, we're not to judge people. We're to explain to them that there is a God who loves them, who wants peace. Jesus is coming with peace. Third, Jesus comes because he deserves our faithful service. Look at 6 and 7. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass and the colt, and put, uh, and put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. The Lord wanted them to go get a donkey. That's what they did. They obeyed. And see, the, the way we should obey God here in two ways. One, you should go where God tells you to go. 
Jesus said, go to that village right there beside you. Go to that village and you'll see a, you'll see a, a, a donkey and a, and, a, and a fold. Get them both. Bring them to me. Go where he tells you to go. Where's he telling you to go today? That's one of the questions I'm going to be asking BJ in the next little bit now. Now he's got one sermon under his belt. I'm going to say, okay, BJ, where's God wanting you to go? What's he wanting you to do? Is he wanting you to go to seminary? Is he wanting you to continue to lead music? Is he wanting you to preach? Is he wanting you to, to maybe be a missionary? Is he wanting you to be an evangelist? What's God wanting you to do? Where's God wanting you to go? So where's God wanting you to go today? Sometimes when we think about that, we think, well, maybe he wants me to go to a foreign field to be a missionary. I think more likely what he wants you to do is much closer than that. He wants you to go across the street, go to a hospital, go to a nursing home, or maybe go across the aisle right now. Maybe there's someone somewhere that needs to hear from you. And the where is not important. It's the obedience to go where he says go. Across the world or across the room. You go where the Lord tells you to go. Second thing they, they did, do what the Lord tells, you, tells us to do. They said, go there, get that. By going and getting the donkey, they could have been accused of a lot of things. If someone had thought they were stealing that, they could have been hung. Sometimes God tells us to do things that don't seem right in our mind, or maybe it seems like it puts us in an awkward situation. But when God tells us what we need to do, you need to do it. Exactly as he, as he tells you to do it. If they had went and done something else, if they had went by three donkeys and got the fourth donkey, then that wouldn't have worked. You have to be obedient to what the Word of God says. All the Word. You can't pick and choose. When you read through here and you see the commandments of God, you can't say, well, I like that one. Oh, ooh, all my heart, all my... All, ooh, oh, that's a little rough right there. I'm going to pass over that one. Love your neighbor. Well, I can as long as he's not out there with that dog barking and he's not running that lawnmower at 7 o'clock at night when I'm trying to eat dinner. Obey God. Jesus is coming for you because he has somewhere he wants you to go. He has something he wants you to do. And he wants people to Praise him for what you're about to do. But don't worry, because he's already worked out all the details. The disciples didn't have to worry about getting thrown in jail for stealing that donkey. He says, if anybody says anything to him, you tell him the Lord has need of it. That's all they needed to know. Are we obeying God the way we should? Or do we get in our own head and start worrying about things and worrying about the details and worrying about how this thing is going to go and worrying about this? About a month before my vacation, BJ came up to me and says, who's preaching for you when you go on vacation? And I said, well, I don't know. He says, I want to. I said, are you sure? He goes, yeah, I think I already got a message. And he changed it three times during that month. But he said, I got something I want to say, and I think God's leading me to do this, and I really want to do this. I said, great. I said, well, that sounds good. I'll, I'll, I'll bring it before the church and see. But during that month, a strange thing happened. 
that confident young man who came to me a month out saying, I'm ready, I want to go, I got. I don't want to do it, God's want me to do this, I want to do it, I'm going to do it. But as the month went by, he says, I don't know, Dad. I don't know, I don't know if I can do this or not. Maybe, I, maybe I, we should rethink this. I said, no, BJ, now you, you were confident now, be confident in God now. You can doubt yourself, but be confident in what God has for you to do. We just need to obey. Because Jesus is coming. And we're serving him. And finally, Jesus comes worthy of our worship. Look at verses 8 and 9. And very great multitudes spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches from the trees and straw them in the way. And the multitude that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Palm branches were used to give honor uh, to the kings that came by. Hosanna means save us. The crowd was quoting uh, Psalms 118, 25 and 26, which says, Save now. I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee. Uh, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. The people were looking for Jesus as the all, as God's anointed one, the Messiah, deliverer, the one who was come from God. But they wanted a warrior king. But what they really needed was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They didn't understand the need for a suffering Messiah. They wanted a conquering hero, but what they needed was a suffering Messiah. So their cries of Hosanna will soon turn to crucify him. Because suddenly, even though he was what they needed, he wasn't what they wanted. So here, as they're crying, Hosanna, they're not truly worshiping Jesus. But we know him. And we can truly understand why we must worship Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We don't spread our clothes and palm branches down, but we can worship the King just as much today. That's why we're here. You didn't come here to hear me speak. You didn't come here to hear Jan sing. You may have come here to hear Linda's play the piano, but I'll forgive you for that one. But uh, we came here to worship God, to worship him our own way. Jesus revealed something important about worship to the Samaritan woman at the well in John chapter 4. Starting with verse 21. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet in Jerusalem, at Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship, you know not what. We worship, we, uh, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. We don't have to go to a certain mountain, thank God. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to worship God. God wants us to know that worship is not about external things, but it's about what's going on inside your heart. Listen, you can come in here and you can sit down and you can think about lunch, you can think about what's going to happen later, or me, you can think about taking Braden to the doctor because his ears hurting him, 
but you can think about whatever you want to think about. But God is looking for people to worship him whose heart is right with him, who, who has a heart for worship. If you come here to praise God and to worship him with all your heart, he'll know, and he'll accept that worship. The best part of worship is the love we have for God. He is our loving master. And people saw Jesus on a donkey and worshiped what they thought he would do. We see Jesus going to the cross and knowing he took our punishment, and we worship him because of the love he had for us. Church, the King of kings has come to us. So let us worship the Lord with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our might. And let us serve him with gladness. And let us go where he tells us to go and do what he tells us to do. Jesus came to the cross. And he came out of the grave. And one day he's coming back. And he'll cry for us. And we'll go meet him in the air. Are you ready? Are you truly ready that Jesus is coming? The Jewish leaders thought they were ready. The crowd thought they was ready, but they weren't. But Jesus was ready. And he took the cross and nailed all of our sins to it so that we could believe on him and have eternal life. And that's the only thing that matters. And now that you have eternal life, he said, go where I tell you to go. Do what I tell you to do. And worship God with all that you have. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, today may be the day for that. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. The crowd was crying, Hosanna, which means save me. Save me now. If you're here today and you're not saved, God wants you to know that you're under that cloud of, of sin that you can't get rid of. You can't wash it off. You can't scrub it off. You can't do enough good works. You can't give enough to charity. You can't uh, go and live in a monastery and give your, dedicate your life to God. Nothing you can do is good enough to pay that sin debt. The Bible says it takes blood. You have to die. Jesus came to go to the cross to give his precious blood, the man who knew no sin, so that we could have forgiveness. His blood, his redeeming blood washes us clean only through him he makes it so easy he says come to me all that are heavy laden and I will give you rest he said come to me all you sinners all you bound for hell all you chained to this earth and you know what I'm going to do I'll take your sins away I'll wash you white as snow. I'll fill you with my righteousness. I'll pour into you living water. My blood will wash you clean. And you'll stand before God and all He'll see is the righteousness that I put in you. You'll no longer be chained to this world. You'll be bound for heaven if you just believe that I am the Son of God who came and died for you. Why else would He go through what He did? Why else would He go into a city He knew where everybody wanted Him dead? And why would he go and not say a word when, when Pontius Pilate was, was, uh, was uh, asking him, I said, are you a king? Jesus said, well, you said it. And when Pilate said, I find nothing wrong with this man, 
The Jews screamed and the crowd screamed, crucify him. And he washed his hands and said, fine, take him. They scourged him. He drug that cross up that hill. They nailed him to it and he died for us. And all he wants us to do now is to go where I tell you to go. Do what I tell you to do. And love me. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love to us, Father. We thank you, Father, for what Jesus did on the cross. Father, I just can't get it out of my mind that he knew what was going to happen, but he didn't know how it was going to feel. God has never felt pain. But Jesus did. He felt that pain for us. So we won't have to face your wrath, Father. We just rejoice in knowing that we belong to the kingdom of God. That one day you'll call all your children home and we'll be with you for all eternity. But Lord, we pray for those who don't know. Those who look at the sunrise and 